Sonic Statesman.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number 136, uh, which will be uh, recording live today on the 1st of July. Uh, we'll be going on iTunes and all the uh, usual places on the 2nd of July, as usual. Um, if you're wondering um, what was been going on, um, I will just tell you that you can come and join us in the chat room, and you haven't done it already, do it next week. Uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live. There's a live chat room where you can check out what's going on. In fact, I had an email from somebody called uh, Ratmouth, who uh, said he'd work on um, getting the XML feeds up um, so that we could have the transcript of the of the chat in the chat room. So that might actually happen. But failing that, you can come along and join us, sonicstate.com forward slash live. And uh, I've got, we've got a fulsome panel this week, uh, including uh, plenty of people in the chat room. Thanks for joining us there. But I'll start with uh, a slightly less regular guest. We don't see enough of you, Dave. This is Dave One of A Double Dave Week. This is uh, Dave Robinson from prosanewseurope.com. Hello there. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm very good. I actually just finished the latest issue. I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've said this before when I've been doing the podcast, but uh, I just finished the latest issue of President News this morning. So um, I've got uh, got a bit of time, and I'm looking forward to getting out in the uh, sunshine this evening for a, a well-earned pint of beer. Oh, that does sound nice. <laughs> we had a school sports day today, and uh, there was about 100 small children under six standing around including parents with no shade um trying to Oof. do these sort of sporty things it was it was it was pretty it was like torture but uh, my daughter was pleased to see me and i was pleased to see her and that was good but uh, yeah it hard work it's hot egg, egg and spoon yeah there was a small portion of egg and spoon uh, it's very weird what to do because you don't know whether you're supposed to be cheering and go on because it's not, you know, all of that stuff's not, is frowned upon now in this sort of, um, in this world, because you, you mustn't be too competitive and all of that sort of thing, because when someone loses, when somebody wins, somebody loses and all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, Cobblers. it was really good fun. Cobblers, yeah. <laughs> Beat them until they win. No, that's not true. Anyway, Dave Robinson, uh, anything exciting in your issue? Uh, well, of course, there's full of exciting issues, which well, is, of course, course digital. Uh, you can get it online as well, can't you? Uh, yeah, in um, about 10 days, something uh-huh. like that. Um, well, there was um, a slight... Uh, I, I've written my editorial this month is, is a, a story that I thought was happening and kind of hasn't. But um, you were you were at the Lim Show, of course, you, and you reported from, from the Lim Show. I, s- I certainly did. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they want to bring the Lim Show forward next year. Because it was um, it was on the same weekend as the Isle of Wight Festival and uh, the Download Festival, so they're looking at bringing the show forward. Um, Rich, this is this is a, a music show. It's like the Nam Show, but in London. Yeah, we, kind of... we we we. I think we spoke about it last week or the week before. Uh, okay, post show. Yeah. So uh, they're looking to bring the dates forward. Well, the dates they're looking at are the same dates that the AES show is proposing to have its European show Smart. next year at XL. <laughs> Excellent. Well, they could just do it all at once. Well, here's the thing. Wouldn't it be great if there was a kind of a, 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 a well, as it's been described to me, a, a compendium of events, something like the AES, the Lim show, maybe like a, a game developers show, and it was all... This, this, I'm kind of repeating the idea of Peter Filio from the APRS, the Association of Professional Recording Services, but wouldn't it be great to have like a creative audio 
event um, and have it all together with different access to different people. You know, if you're a, if you're a bedroom techno boy, you can go in the noisy hall, and if you're a, uh, a, a professional high-end format developer, then you, you you go in the quiet hall. You know what I mean? But have it all in the, on one site and build it up, uh, make it an annual event in the sort of build-up to uh, to the Olympics when London's going to be very much the, the focus. I just think it's a fantastic potential idea, and I thought that's what was going to be our big story this month but it turns out that the, the, the dates are just a coincidence and nobody's actually started talking to each other yet oh. but the potential is there so kind of watch watch this space on that because it if the right people get their fingers out and talk to the right other people then it could be something very exciting for london starting next ne- next may yeah well that sounds great okay mm. well I look forward to reading your editorial on that of yeah. course prosoundnewseurope.com is where you can find that in um, what week to 10 days the digital yeah. version uh who should we go to next let's leap across the pond to our uh, our us comp- uh, um Oh dear, guest. <laughs> That's what—that was the word I was looking for. <laughs> Rich Hilton, uh, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius, works on a daily basis with Mr. Nile Rogers in the studio. How are you, Rich? Good, and I've been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm real good, thank you. Excellent, I'm I glad had to a Lovely night last night at Yankee Stadium with my son, uh, once the rains passed. And uh, just yesterday received my uh, copy of Largo Ooh. by Waldo. How come you've got one? Because I'm trying to get one for review, and they say, no, it'll be a couple of weeks. Uh, I bought it. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's not how it works. But anyway, no, I'm glad. I, I'll, I'll just, look for, I'm you can tell us all about it. Maybe next week. Yeah, I'd like, I just, all I had time to do yesterday was just run a few of the arpeggiator patches, which were lovely. And, uh, and the, the filter, the, you know, for what it is and for being in a computer and all. Excellent. Filter sounds better than anything possibly other than my G4 stuff. <laughs> <laughs> nice caveat there. I think I just saved you. Coming your way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Present company accepted. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, Rich, great to have you aboard. Um, and uh, we'll uh, just get through to the other guests. So that with other voice you heard there was Dave Spears from G4Software.com, a maker of uh, also wonderful software instruments. How are you, Dave? I'm all right, thank you. Excellent. Um, have I already introduced you, or am I just kind of going a bit mad? It's the heat. No, no, no you we... did Dave, Dave 1. Ah, Dave oh. 1. Dave 2. Uh, hello. Hello, Dave 2. <laughs> well, Dave, um, how's it all going? must be very hot where you are. Uh, for those of you who are outside the UK, we're experiencing uncommonly warm weather. In fact, I left the building yesterday um, just to pop into town to, um, I don't know, pick something up. And uh, it was, I, I, got, I got out of the building and I thought, this is like Nashville. It was honestly, it was like, it felt like 100 degrees with about 98% humidity. It was really weird. And all these people were just sort of wilting. And on the way home yesterday, there was a bloke collapsed on the pavement. I mean, I didn't just drive past him. There were lots of people seeing to him and, and, pho- <laughs> and phoning ambulances and stuff. So I thought, you know, I'll leave them to it rather than just be a bystander. So Jeez. that's how hot it is. How is it for you, Dave? Uh, yeah, hot. Sadly, I haven't been outside for three days. Mm. So, um, yes, it's been hot during the day. And even, I mean, it just, it just didn't let up. I was doing a very late one last night, and uh, it just didn't let up all night. No, it was really hot. Like, yeah, I, I couldn't sleep last night, all the night before. But I couldn't sleep the night before because it was the uh, the Andrew Murray-Wimbledon match, which is actually currently uh, on now. Uh, uh, and uh, he because they've got a roof on cut on the centre court at Wimbledon, um, they just played it until it was finished, and it didn't finish till sort of 
quarter past 11. Oh, and I awesome couldn't get to match. sleep. It was awesome. What was it, five hours? It was, was nearly five time. hours. It was a long time, it? yeah. That's because he wasn't good enough to, to finish him off. And the other guy was brilliant. <laughs> deserved to it win. It was amazing, yeah. He deserved yeah, yeah. to win, <laughs> frankly. Anyway, all this Wimbledon talk um, is making me think of what I'm missing. But... I'm, at least I'm re- replacing it with something equally, if not more, pleasurable. So anyway, g4software.com for your Dave Spears needs. And, that, um, was very, that was very lame. Was it? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you believe me? Do you actually? <laughs> no. Oh, well, fair enough. Uh, well, Mark Tinley is our final guest. Uh, how are you, Mark? Mark is um, ensconced in his new studio and all set up and lovely. You're in a basement, Hello. so you must be nice and cool. I'm very well. I've been outside up until about... Half an hour ago, then I took my shirt off and came down here, and it's lovely. It's so cool down here. It's like, a, like so, walking um, into a fridge, really. So you're doing wow. your podcast in your pants. That's what I like <laughs> to hear. <laughs> there, we go. there we go. That's it. So um, you might be you might be commenting. You might be thinking, "Wow, what is that lovely sound? How come Nick's voice sounds so great this week?" Uh, I'm not sure it does yet, but I've, I'm the, in the ongoing um, mic test scenario. I'm moved on to a dynamic. This one's the uh, Rode. Procaster, which looks a bit like an EV20, Electrovoice EV20. It's a big, fat kind of uh, metal affair, but it's dynamic. Um, and I quite like the sound of it. I'm not, it hasn't got a very high output, but you can't hear as much um, background noise. It's very good for rejection. How am I sounding? Does it sound better, different? It does sound great. Does it? It sounds um, remarkably like your speaking voice when you meet you in person, actually. Wow, what a good memory you have. Yes. It's not better. <laughs> without, without all of that what i seem to have on mine which is that lovely fizzy kind of gold diaphragm high end which is of course completely unnatural sounding i see well i haven't got a gold i don't know whether this has got a gold diaphragm anyway this is an ongoing kind of mic test anyone wants to send a mic for me to try out on the podcast um i'm quite happy to um it's not a sponsorship thing it's just uh, as i said last week i was getting a bit sick of hearing my voice through the same mic year in year out so i thought i'd try a few other ones so this week is the Rode procaster it's i think they're about 230 bucks 120 quid which doesn't seem that expensive and but really good rejection the only problem is you've got to be right on the mic because i'm just moving a little bit and you can hear it's really rejecting but i guess that's one of those things because you're going to get less noise but more directional and you know obviously i can't turn away and it needs a hell of a lot of gain i've got around about 50 55 db again and i'm really close to it so i'm not sure that um, I, I, I might need a bit more of a posh mic amp to give it do it justice but i do like the sound of it I want a Shure SM7, I want, please, if anyone's listening and wants to send me one of those. Are they the ones that are in a little cradle that have got, um, they used to use them for ba- miking bass cabs? Uh, I think so, yeah, they're brilliant vocal mics. Bizarrely enough, here's a seamless link, they were used on uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller album. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Shall we go there, then? Let's get it, let's get it over and done with. Uh, obviously, um, we can't have failed to notice that... Uh, Michael Jackson has passed away. I mean, it's just huge. It's like Elvis kind of all over again, that kind of thing, really. And I thought rather than go on and on about the kind of circumstances and the ins and outs and what he was up to or anything, we would just kind of perhaps go, well, what's your favourite Michael Jackson track? And I would first like to play something which I found uh, on Spotify, actually. It was really good. It's a demo of Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, which incidentally is my favourite Michael Jackson track. So I'm going to play this, but this has got um, all sorts of, uh, well, just, just check it out. Following is Michael's original 1978 demo recording of Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Assorted percussion, including kibasa, cowbell, and glass bottles, were played by Michael, Brother Randy, and Sister Janet. (laughs) 
was the demo which i thought was great i I edited it down a bit because there's quite a lot of introduction of them messing about and stuff but i thought that was really nice because i mean it's so um easy to forget that he was actually a human being (laughs) that uh, that makes it all a bit more human and kind of um you know brings it a bit more into perspective I think you should. I think you should ask Rich first because I noticed that Niall has been on TV. A yeah, the, well, there's been a whole load of retrospective. Actually, the one thing you know, the one thing that has come out of this whole sort of terrible, in, terrible incident is the fact that there's been a whole load of kind of Michael Jackson ret- retrospectives and just interviews and people commenting and all these sort of memories coming up from his career and stuff, which are really interesting. Sort of from my point of view, anyway, I found it really interesting. And Rich, um, so the question really for this one was, you know. What's your favorite Michael Jackson track? Oh gosh, favorites. I don't do favorites well, but uh I probably Thriller. Uh-huh. But but to say that Don't Stop Till You Get Enough or uh Wanna Be Starting Something or Billy Jean or you know like to say any of those or or uh what's the one? Um Human Nation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the ballad. I, I mean, and then so many others. I mean, to say any of them are any less than that is almost uh, a tremendous disservice. And that thing we just heard was absolutely magnificent to me because the whole song is more or less presented. More or less there, isn't it? Including the percussion, the guitar parts. I mean, the the it has the essence of everything we've come to love as the recording of that song, and very. Often, at least in my life, demos don't present that much of a percentage of what ultimately came. You can hear the seed of what came, but this thing is so fully fleshed out. Uh, it was very impressive to me. Uh, get, check it out on Spotify. You just do a, you know, I mean, I just did a search for Michael Jackson or something similar. I mean, it must be, it must be an, on some kind of anthology or something somewhere. That, and um, um, it's like a, with a voiceover, and it's just. Uh, is there's a couple of them a bit like that i haven't had a chance to listen to all of them but it was a real surprise i didn't expect to hear that really nice stuff really nice 
Mm. What, uh, Rich, can I ask? I mean, um, I noticed that uh, Niall was on um, on TV talking um, after after his death. Um, did he? But but I was watching it in a hotel room, kind of with the sound down, um, and so I saw he was doing these kind of talking head, uh, these sound bites sort of stuff. I presume he did actually work with Jackson, did he? I believe he recorded uh, something for the History album. Right. It may have been dangerous, but I think it was history for Michael. He, play, he may have played on a cut, but he's known Michael. Now, this is all anecdotal, and I'm going to relate it as best as I remember it. Um, they toured, N- Niall, in a band that preceded Chic, toured with the Jackson 5 as an opening band and right. knew Michael personally as very, very young people um, through their common experiences on that tour. And so he had a a personal connection with Michael through his social interaction on that tour that goes back to even before Chic. Um, I've never met Michael, and I've never seen Niall and Michael together, so I don't have any pers- I don't really have any story to tell about that, except um, that I know that Niall was uh, affected greatly by Michael's passing and uh, was asked to do a number of uh, talks and various radio and TV mm. formats. But I don't. I, that's as much of the story as I really know. Right. There, there was a lot. There was a lot of really interesting, uh, just kind of stuff coming out of all of those ones. I think the the the, the best one I saw was on ITV in the UK. I don't, I don't remember the name of it, but uh, it was it was a cracker. Dave Robinson. Then, uh, I mean, have you got any particular kind of record highlights of? Uh, well, well, yeah. I mean, actually, I uh, I think the song one of my earliest memories of the Jacksons. Um, and Michael Jackson, were, and, and still one of my favourite songs would be um, "Can You Feel It." Ah, uh, yeah, great video. You know, that big sort of, you know, that big riff, which obviously was then used on the Tampa single. Yeah. But you know, I was listening to it the other day. I sort of found it on on Blip, and uh, just to hear it again, it was just um, it's just tremendous, and it's that kind of that feel good, that sense of something something bigger than the, the song itself. You know the lyric and, and the way it's presented. I, I still think it's fantastic, and I, I prefer. I mean, I'm not a big fan of of the other Jacksons. Um, and I, you know, blame on the blame on the boogie. It's quite uh, it's quite yeah. good fun. But um, Thriller, you know, fantastic songs. And I I really like Human Nature as well. And again, I think it's in kind of the chord sequence, and it's because it's the it's the it's the softer. And I, I you know I like my dance music and all that kind of stuff, but it's the softer song on that. And uh, you know, it's kind of really looking out across the nightlife or whatever it goes. Um, you know, it's just, it's really quite tender. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it would be um, um, Can You Feel It and uh, Human Nature, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing is, it, for most people, there is at least one Michael Jackson or Jackson's track that has kind of intersected with them in the sort of the, the musical uh, backdrop of their lives, you know, the kind of way that it relates to, to you know, you're growing up or whatever, has a sort of musical memory. I don't know. Dave Spears, I imagine you might have one or two, um, being a bit of a soul boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, when you sent the show notes through, I was thinking, blimey, there's so many good ones to choose from. But I think um, for the Jacksons, Show You The Way To Go was a kind of soundtrack to the visit by my local Traylands Fun Fair in my local town each year. Yeah, and I always thought that was quite entertaining because it was it, it always cut above the what I call the inappropriately named waltzer ride. Yeah. Uh, and I remember that, and that was a kind of good time, girls and Scream summer and all that kind faster. of stuff. Yeah, and hit that pedal as hard mm. as you can. Um, but actually, I think my favourite Michael Jackson track is... Um, 
Oh, God, I'm a huge, huge Teddy Riley fan. So uh, it would be Remember the Time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that Off the Wall? From the Dangerous album. Okay. Oh, right. It was quite a weird thing because I'd, I'd obviously kind of been bitten. In fact, I was bitten by the wall. And then obviously when Thriller came out, that was exceptional. But I lost interest in Bad because it had all kind of gone a bit. It was. It, it struck me as a kind of music by numbers album, and you're getting Steve Stevens in instead of Eddie Van Halen and all that kind of stuff. It was like a what was the A and R term crossover, wasn't it? Uh, yes. So I'd kind of lost interest, and I didn't expect to you know kind of feel anything when I heard the Dangerous album. But remember, the time was just uh, I don't know. Teddy Riley does it. It just does it. All that swing beat stuff just mm. gets me. The way you make me feel as well. That was quite a late, a late good one. I didn't mm. expect to like that. I was listening to that earlier today. I was thinking, oh, that's a good one. And that was kind of quite a late one. So it does wrap. Mark Tinley. Any any Jackson highlights in uh, in his back catalogue? My Michael Jackson moment is when I found out that you know the um, the can you feel it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that can you feel it is sampled from a live Jackson's album, and someone was playing that album one day, and I heard that sample. Can you feel it? And then they introduced the Jacksons, and then you know the the sort of the Jacksons show started, and I was like, no. No, it can't be. And but because that one sample is it holds like a million emotions for me, if you know what I mean. Yeah, sure. Very uh sort of uh chemically excited kind of way perhaps. But from um, the from the eighties. Yeah. Eighties and nineties. Yeah. But, I mean and that was that was that was the one sample that if you were in a big club and you were sort of dancing and having a nice night and you heard that, all the hairs went up on the back of your neck and you were like, whoa, on the dance floor, you know. So so that's my favourite. Okay, Jackson. so that it's sort of by, indirectly. Oh, that's interesting. Indirectly, yeah. Interesting. I del- and I must say, I deleted all of my Michael Jackson stuff from my um, iTunes library the other day because I because it's been coming on the radio an awful lot. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing Michael Jackson non-stop. <laughs> and I, I just That'll show him. I had this sudden realisation. <laughs> I've got lots of Michael Jackson music in my iTunes library, and I thought, have I actually ever gone out and bought one of his CDs? And I was thinking, no. And I was thinking, okay, well, how did it get there? I don't actually remember how it got there. It probably got given to me somewhere along the, the way. And I am going through this ongoing process of anything I find in my iTunes library, which I haven't paid for, I either delete or go out and buy. So I've deleted him. I have yet to ascertain whether or not he will be bought. Ah, uh, okay. Well, that's very honourable. I've of got you. no Jacksons at all now. So, well, he needs all the money he can get at the moment. Oh, what his estate does? Why does he need any money? He's dead. <coughs> well, <laughs> well, there is that. That's you true. said about um, <laughs> hearing it on the radio. I got stuck on the M25 in a traffic jam the other day, and it was you know sweltering heat. So I had the window down. I was having to see it out the window, and depending on where I put my head i could hear all sorts of different michael jackson songs playing and i found this kind of sweet spot with a kind of merge of about three tunes a live it was, mashup it was yeah. very very strange i love it oh uh, wow well I, actually um I mean, this this goes into a uh, there's some fact in um, youtube uh, itunes and album and singles charts he's got kind of pretty much the whole of the top 20 
on both the album and the singles charts. It's just gone mental. And the, there was a graph somewhere of, um, of, of, of listenings and downloads of Michael Jackson stuff, and it's sort of bumbling along. And then it just goes, it goes up by something like 20,000%. I mean, it's amazing. It's just incredible in that sense that, you know, so many people are just kind of cr- getting, getting hold of this stuff, you know. Stunning. That's that's not good, is it? I hope they're paying for it. Well, yeah, no, it's all on iTunes and what have you. So, I mean, that's the only way they okay. can tell. Yeah. So, yeah, they're selling. You know, well, it's not the, the selling; it's the popularity, and that's kind of good. And then when we were talking about charts from last week and how they were sort of meaningless, this is just kind of a resounding kind of thumbs up for a sort of. It's well, it's quite cheesily put, but a sort of fitting epitaph, isn't it? It's kind of that lots of people are just really want to go out and check out his music maybe again rebuy it or check it out for the first time i think that's great and that's all maybe, you can ask maybe for they've, um, maybe they've had the same realization i've had like oh i haven't bought that i must delete it and go and pay for it yeah <laughs> that'll be good yeah well can, let's hope so can i just say one other sad thing obviously this eclipsed it completely was the demise of another icon farrah fawcett majors or yeah, farrah sa- fawcett. same day yeah God. yeah of course I- I did see somebody's yeah. Twitter post saying somebody should check on Prince just to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot, a lot of it about it. It's when, when the weather turns hot, you know? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's been a whole run of it here in America. There's been some other major celebrities that passed in the last week. Yeah. And then I had friends walking up to me telling me their grandmother died and it's just been an incredible, like seven to 10 days. It just less. happens like that, doesn't it? I guess. But forget about it happening in threes though. Yeah. It's more like kind of twenties. Yeah. Michael Jackson, RIP to 1958 to 2009. Um, let's, we'll leave the media to cover it um, in, in more depth and detail, I think, and we'll, um, and we've said our piece. Anyway, um, the next topic, uh, education. I was, it struck me because when I was at Limbs, I was talking to the people from Berkeley Music and I've seen loads of, there's just education, education, education. It's just, it's the new thing on the internet, isn't it? It's learning stuff, teaching stuff, courses, electronically downloading videos there's just so much of it at the moment and i uh i wondered whether or not there was anything that anyone would like to try you know if there's a is is there a course you'd like to take or something that's that you can't that you haven't seen that you'd like to see and you'd like to give it a go i mean i, I am thinking in the sort of hang gliding i was thinking in the music production audio engineering you know this field our field uh maybe um dave robinson you'd like to uh comment on that well what i what i would say um I uh, I did a music technology masters at York in '92, and at that time there weren't many courses around at all of a sort of a university degree level. There was Salford, there was Keele, there was the Tom the Tomeister course down at, at Surrey, which of course is is still one of the leading ones in the in the country. Um, there were a few others, you know, but they they didn't come to more than say ten um, recognised music courses. And then as the technology has moved on. And it's become more of a laptop thing. Every institute, every university, and, it, and his dog has has started to run a, uh, a music technology course. And then, of course, there's been a proliferation proliferation of the uh, SAE courses and the, the SAE schools all over the uh, all over the world. I think there's about fifty now. Mm. Um, and then, and then, yes, there's this Berkeley thing. With uh, they have some great uh, some great patrons with like Paul Oakenfold and Sir George Martin. I mean, I think it's fantastic that more and more people can learn about music technology. I just hope there's enough jobs for everybody at the end of the day, really, because I don't, I, you know, I don't uh-huh. think there is. And, and I was, 
Well, we went to, uh, I had a work experience person with me a couple of weeks ago, and we went down to Maloco Studios, which is just down the road from our offices here. Um, and, you know, it used to be Orinoco, and uh, it's where they, they mixed Oasis, and uh, the Chemical Brothers mixed a lot of their stuff there. Yeah. And they still um, take on sound engineers through the old, you know, tape op route, they basically get somebody in for a couple of weeks doing work experience. And uh, if they like them and if they're any good and they've got a, you know, they can make tea for people, then they might give them a chance sitting in some sessions and, and take it from there. So it doesn't really matter how, it, to them, it doesn't really matter how much sort of qualification you've got in terms of being a Pro Tools operator or whatever. It's really about your kind of attitude in the studio. Yeah, well, it's so, interesting, though, that, because uh, from what I remember of, uh, well, whenever there's kind of assistants now in studios, they're the ones who know, who are totally up on all the new stuff. So if they're mm. going to go, oh, have you tried the new update for the doody doody diet? And they're Does probably, this now? <laughs> you know, massively overqualified to, to uh, when they're sort of picking up, you know, emptying ashtrays and, and uh, polishing the uh, the faders. And, and, you know, there's, there's still a certain amount of that, and there has to be. But, I mean, that's if you want a kind of a vocational course in the industry. The fact there's a proliferation a proliferation of learning and teaching for people online, I mean, that's, that's fantastic because that kind of thing was a lot more difficult to get you know, when I was uh, when I was younger, what I what I would say, and I don't want to hog this, but the, the one thing I would say is that the the big gap in this part of education, music education, and um, this is very much an answer to, to to the question. The big gap is in live sound engineering. That's true. There, yeah, there is very little in certainly in the UK. I don't know what it's like in the States, but um, there, there is very little, and there has been very little in this country um, to teach you how to be a live sound engineer. People like Soundcraft have had their go live weekends, and uh, Orbital Sound in London they they do kind of sound engineering days, but but the number of live sound courses. It has not grown, and you could probably count that uh, on on the, the fingers of one hand. You know, mm. proper courses until, and this is oh, this is all I want to say on the matter. Until recently, when Alchemia, you know, which is the North London-based school, um, kind of independent school, um, they have just done a deal with uh, the the Fridge in Brixton. And, uh, you know, it was a, a famous nightclub in Brixton, and then it had uh, a load of trouble a couple of years ago with, uh, with um, some, some, you know, some, some bad guys, let's put it that way. And it was kind of closed after a police raid. Well, it's been revamped. Alchemia have sort of done a deal with the, with the owner, and they, are, they, are, uh, they have classrooms in there, and they have rooms where they actually, um, the students are in there, and they are working with live bands, and they're learning about live music and being live sound engineers. And uh, I think that's absolutely fantastic that they've taken that, uh, taken yeah. that initiative, and they've seen there's a, there's a gap in the market there, and they're in the middle of London. They are doing these courses for people who want to be in, in live sound. That's good. I mean, and actually, one of the things that's um, going to make that sort of thing more possible is all of this sort of uh, like the Cat Five stuff, where you can run multiple desks off the same stage box and just everybody yeah. mixes the you know mixes the whole thing. Anyway, we better move on because um, uh, I'm sure I think Rich Hilton might have uh, a couple of things to say on this. Um, uh, I noticed you mentioning something in the chat room. Um, <laughs> before I say that, though, Matt C says I think a lot of people are doing these courses, then getting jobs teaching the same thing because hardly anyone is actually actually doing it commercially, which is an interesting point. Yeah. He's not wrong about that. It's pyramid marketing, isn't it? That's there is an element is. of that to well, it. Go, Rich. Um, in the days before I worked for Nile Rogers, uh, I was teaching this at a college. 
uh, audio recording, and I was kind of running the department that kept the school afloat. Not that I created it. I kind of walked into it, but um, I was teaching. And there was very little, there were very few places you could go in 1987 to study this. And um, uh, first of all, what Dave Robinson said about uh, the job pool as it exists today as compared to what existed then, and uh, in ratio with the number of places you can go to learn this and the desirability, apparent desirability of doing that, the, the ratio has just shrunk tremendously. Like, in other words, there are so many fewer jobs per person studying this that that just on a purely uh supply and demand level it's um it's another it's an artistic pursuit you know people become writers people go to school to become writers and journalists and there are lots of long shot professions you can you can line up to take and uh some people manage to make their way through uh doing those things specifically as it relates to these schools i don't know their curricula well enough um i do still do seminars for some people i've not done one for either berkeley or for sae i have a friend who runs a department on long island at the nassau community college who's brilliant and a former studio owner who has made you know major records and really really those kids are so lucky to be studying with him because today there is no apprenticeship, no significant apprenticeship program like when I came up and you did have what you guys in England refer to as the T-boy experience where you come up through apprenticing into assistant engineering and eventually yep. if you're good enough, you become an engineer or maybe, as in my case, nine months in became chief engineer of a major studio. Wow. And uh, it just worked. I mean, you know, the partnership split, the chief engineer left. That was the only guy in the building who knew anything about what was going on in that room. And I actually so right place at the right time, which is so often the case, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it worked out very well for me at the time. This was Kingdom Sound Studios in 1982 um, in Syosset, Long Island, and they'd done uh, quite a few major records, and we're still doing them at the time. Uh, of course, it all, it all, uh, as you guys say, went pear-shaped about a year later, but that's an, a longer story and divergent from the topic. But uh, there's an awful lot of education out there. Education's a good thing. There's a lot of people out there with gear who don't really know what to do with it, and there's not a real good source of this kind of information because the best way to learn it is experientially and so going back to your original question about what i would think of studying there are very few courses that are going to be that useful to me other than to glean uh awareness of how to operate a particular environment so for example i've considered going to a seminar on on live eight Although yeah. I could probably just call my friends at Ableton and they could show me in two hours what I would spend hundreds of dollars to sit in that classroom and learn. Because most of what I need to know has to do with how to operate the thing, not how to apply it on a musical level to the circumstances around me. And a lot of those courses tend or ought to tend to emphasize that part of it. How do you bring a musical aesthetic and approach to these essentially technical pursuits? Mm. But but I mean you, you we're kind of focusing on the educational aspect of it but isn't a lot of the, this about just learning how to be able to use stuff for co because you love making music I mean it's not necessarily about having a job it's just maybe right. I like doing this and I want to know how to do it better so that maybe it'll help me you know with my songwriting or my you know sure. if I'm recording it's not just about the actual kind of getting a gig in that absolutely. sense absolutely true I don't know Dave Spears yeah I'd like to do a course on vocal sounds please vocal <laughs> sounds beatboxing. Yeah. 
No, 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 no. You know, l- knowing how ah. various good singers have set up vocal sounds, I'm always finding it a bit of a struggle, and I overcompress everything, and I send it to a very good engineer, mate, and he goes, well, you've mullered that on the compression. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's my weak voice or something. I don't know, you know. I mean, that would be fun. But, um, no, it's interesting. It is... I'm very envious of these. In fact, I had to do, um, I was asked to do a talk at Thames Valley University last year. And I, I could talk, I think it was like four hours I had to talk for, which is quite easy. Four and, hours? Uh, That's a yeah, long time. Yeah. Did you get it a tea amazing. break? Uh, I think they insisted on one after about two and a half. Yeah. But I, I <laughs> please, please, sir, please, sir, I really need to go to the toilet. <laughs> but it's that network thing. And shoot myself. Yeah, no, no, no. I was just like my old teacher. Sit down and shut up. <laughs> um, no, no, no. But it's that network thing. But I thought the open. I spoke to somebody beforehand, and I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how to kind of open this. And he said he did a similar thing. He's a film director, and he said he did a similar thing. And he said it's very much the way he started it was hands up who wants to be a famous film producer, and everybody in their room. Um, you know, put everybody in the room, put their hands up. And then he said, and okay, so there's 50 people in here, name 50 famous film producers. And of course <laughs> they struggled after about kind of 10. Yeah. And there really was very, it was a very similar analogy, but I'm very envious of these people, a, because of network, uh, you know, years ago, like I say, we all had to graft usually for nothing initially, just to try and get a network. And eventually, you know, if you were good enough, somebody give you a call. Um, but I remember at school, this, this is going off topic very slightly. I remember at school, I was moved from comprehensive school to a private school because I was a bit of a naughty boy. And uh, it was very strict. You got caned for not handing in your homework. And I think I held the record for the amount of lashes one year. But um, it, was, it came to careers evening and I was with my mate and uh, we were fairly flippant. And uh, I went in and he said, OK, Spears, so uh, what, what do you want to do, you know, further education wise? And I said, A-level pop star, please. <laughs> and he just kind of laughed and went, get out and my mate walked in and i was kind of hanging out outside my mate walked in and he said so millington what do you want to be and he said a mastic asphalt spreader and the bloke bloke got caned for this and actually he is a mastic asphalt spreader (laughs) (laughs) because we had those career neville neville sponge wasn't it the uh what do you want to the career films what do you want to be a mastic asphalt spreader spreader. that's what he wanted to be brilliant mark tinley Actually, can I just ask, um, sorry, Nick, I was going to ask um, Dave, when you take people on for G4s, because I don't know how big a team you have at the moment, and presumably numbers move move up and down depending on what projects you have, but when you, when you take people on, are you looking for programming qualifications or and I, I, I hope you know people don't send all their CVs to you after this but I'm just interested whether, whether you're looking for people with a musical background or whether they're just good coders or do you like a bit of both? Uh, ideally both i mean obviously a great dsp coder is a great dsp coder uh, and one person we have who may or may not be in the chat room i don't know but who usually is um has a musical foundation as well as some fantastic dsp coding skills so that's always an advantage because when i get stuff sent to me i can kind of go okay from a musical perspective this may be slightly convoluted or a little bit awkward let's say so you can kind of circumnavigate a lot of that um, techie stuff by having mm. somebody with a musical background. And also the ability to kind of get on with musos. Yeah. It's mm. not easy at times. Yeah. And that is one of the main skills, as I mentioned earlier, about being the tape-off and working in studios. Being actual, you know, skills with other people is, is almost a priority above being able to, um, you know, turn on a computer. 
Yeah. Dude, Mark people Tinley. will forgive you an awful lot of things if you can make them laugh for five That's minutes while you sort it out. Yeah. Mark <laughs> Tinley, uh, you, you, um, I, did you not do some lecturing recently? Um, I have done some lecturing, yes, and, but it was more of a talk, actually. Ah, okay. Yeah, no, I remember you saying you'd gone up to um, a college and talked to some students there about music and stuff, hadn't you? Middlesbrough, yes. That's right, yeah. Well, so, so you know, is there anything that you would like to see in this kind of field? Is it, or Do you think it's irrelevant? Is it relevant or does it need to be relevant? What What's your thoughts? I think there's an awful lot of jobs and there's a definite irony in that 20 years ago you probably needed A-level math to figure out how to slice and dice audio. And now you've got all these programs that do it all for you and loads of colleges to teach you how to use something that does it anyway. So that kind of seems like completely bizarre to me. (laughs) I find it fascinating that the uh, live sound arena has hardly anybody teaching anyone anyone how to do it because that's actually gone the other way. Mm, So instead of grabbing a fader and hoping for the best, it's now got really complicated. So live sound desks are now, you need a bloody science degree to even switch one on, let alone do anything else. So (laughs) um, I I find that it's kind of bizarre, isn't it? It's all the wrong way around. It it is completely. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I want to go to um, a university or a college and I want to learn how to make a pyrophone and the Tesla coil. <laughs> and DIY play... musical instrument creation, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. You've not made the pyrophone yet, then? No. Uh, well, maybe you move now. You've I was got space. playing with methanol in the garden the other day. Though, oh, really? and that was quite interesting. You made a very big bang. Well, well... But yeah, live sound engineering, that's a very good point about an area. And I think you're right, because that, that, you, you do need experience with that. There are kind of things that you need to learn and you need to recognise frequencies. I mean, I did a lot of live sound for a, for a while in the same place and it took me kind of a year or so just to learn the, the one room. So it really is, you know, good sound engineers and sit people who can and set up systems. It, it's really an art and a skill. So it's time for an ad. Thank you very much to Roland.co.uk for their continued sponsorship of the show. We really do appreciate them sticking around. Uh, obviously, we must be doing something right. And they seem to be doing something right with their new Juno DI, which is a new, uh, well, it's a portable synthesizer. I don't know what else I could say. Professional synthesizer with over a thousand sounds on board derived from the Phantom G sound engine. I did hear it at Limbs and it did sound pretty good. It's got a friendly, intuitive, simple user interface, as is the Juno way. Uh, battery operation, if you need it, uh, for mobile use. Uh, it plays back mp3 wav aiff and smf playback via uh, if you put a usb stick into it perfect for backing tracks when performing live it's got mic input with dedicated reverb and vocoder effects pc mac editor software including also if you buy it in the uk it comes with a three-year warranty so um, please do check it out. I think we're going to get one in for review, so I'll be able to get my hands on it pretty soon. From what I heard at Limbs, the, uh, I was really impressed by the onboard's piano sounds, and they have been toting that as uh, something better than you'd expect from a keyboard of this price range. So head over to roller.co.uk and check them out. So uh, what should we do next? Uh, well, let's see what's next. Uh, well, we've done education. Did, uh, have we got enough people to talk about Glastonbury? Yes. Yeah, Glastonbury. Glastonbury was, in fact, this weekend. In fact, I'm going to play a little clip from uh, one of the acts that was playing live at Glastonbury. And this was, well...
That was, of course, The Prodigy and uh, Firestarter, Twisted Firestarter, uh, live from Glastonbury, which I think was on Sunday night. The Sunday night, traditionally, from what I remember when I used to go there, used to be the sort of wind-down night, but they really pulled all the stops out. There was tons of stuff. There was Blur on the main stage doing a kind of awesome set after they got back together after a while, and obviously there was uh, The Prodigy and loads and loads of other stuff. And um, I watched a bit of it on the BBC, and uh, it was... I'd certainly, I don't know, for me, it beats being there because you get to see all the bands. And usually when, when I go there or have been in there in the past, you kind of make a decision to go and see a band. If you can't be bothered to go right up the front, you then think, oh, actually, I can't really hear it or see it properly. And think, well, maybe I should go to that other one. And you end up, actually, all you do is you hear half a song of one band and then you spend an hour trying to get to another stage where you've missed all the best tunes from the other band you thought you wanted to see. So TV, the TV stuff, I think, is brilliant. It really gets the energy across. They're really good at covering it. But um, did anyone see anything there? Uh, Dave, uh, Dave Spears, um, you didn't go, did you? But you were thinking of it. Uh, no, it was quite interesting because we had invites from Bruce Springsteen and we had invites from Kasabian, but that's another story I'll come to in a second. Uh, and also somebody, oh, it might have been Tom Jones, and I didn't go. Uh, I was busy in Essex and on the same day I went up to North Essex. Chris got a call from Kasabian saying, oh my God, uh, our Muse receptor's gone down and uh, Muse are FedExing you a new machine would you please come down and i think he did an overnighter on the was it the friday Might be, i can't remember which day it was uh, it's all blurred um just so that they could uh, yeah it must have been friday so that they could do the saturday night so it was complete chaos top band for me has to have been pendulum i think that they just had a huge huge amount of energy uh, and blew me away actually and uh, i knew codish years ago and phenomenal drummer and fantastic band and like I say the energy just came across on it, tv it's incredible isn't it? it can really make or break an act you know if they have a good gig at glastonbury i mean because obviously there's you know however many tens of thousands of people watching them live but the the the, the tv audience if they get a, one of those gigs where everybody just goes wow they were so good they were so good whatever you know, it, it seems to spread, and I think um, I, it's happened in the past with various bands. It sort of breaks them, takes them to the next level. And uh, what was I watching today? Well, I saw Blur on Sunday night, which, even though they rushed it a bit, they were playing a bit fast, but it was awesome. I mean, they've, they're really, really good. And, of course, I, I'm a big fan of Lady Gaga, and I watched that, and I thought she was brilliant as well. Just really energetic, because when you consider it's just... Essentially, it was a bit of a PA, although she did have a band playing. She just held the audience really well, I thought. But um, it's an incredible organisation now. What do they reckon? 175,000 people? It's now officially, I think, the biggest music festival in the world, I think. Is that right? Dave Robinson, you'd know, because you do... I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. You do all of that stuff with sound reinforcement and what have you. You got any interesting Glastonbury stories in your... Well, I I didn't get invited um, this time, but I I think this year was the year to go. Actually, next year is the year to go, because it's the 40th anniversary. Um, but um, it, it did look great, and the weather held. I mean, my—I originally said you couldn't drag me by, with wild horses to Glastonbury, and I went four years ago, and I had a miserable effing time. <laughs> I got, actually got my car towed away. I had parking access for the for the pyramid stage, and it got towed away. And it, it, I just—it was miserable. It was when the it was raining, and and you know the the, the it was flooding. The only saving grace was seeing Soulwax on the Sunday morning, actually, and that kind of. And then Brian Wilson in the afternoon that brought me around. But this year it looked fabulous um and i i had a wedding on saturday and um which kind of drove a 
uh, drove us sort of a hole through my weekend. Actually, at the wedding, I was sat next to Charlotte Hatherley. You know, he used to be um, in Ash and is now um, was playing at Glastonbury on the Sunday. Um, and she, oh, with, she now uh, plays. She plays well, she plays with Bat Flashes, but she was on uh, on solo as well at, at uh, two o'clock. So we're at this wedding, sort of having, a, and I've met her a few years ago. Um, but uh, we're having a drink. She goes, oh, I've got to, I've got to watch it because I've got to be up at seven o'clock in the morning because somebody's driving me to Glastonbury. I thought, oh, God, that's the last thing I want to be doing after, after a wedding, you know. But it, it looked great. I've got a lot of iPlayer um, to, to catch up because I've, I've heard great things about the Pendulum set, Dave, and um, I've seen some stills from it and, you know, the, the, the energy that they, they have. And I'm, I've become a big Pendulum convert over the last, uh, over the last year. And, uh, you know, that's the thing I would have really liked to see. The Prodigy, mm, you can, I sort of can take it or leave it. I'm, you know, Keith Flint jumping about looking like a dick. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm over that, you know. But what, what, if I can add, what I did see on the Sunday was Bruce Springsteen at Hyde Park, uh, sorry, Hard Rock Calling in Hyde Park. Oh, I really? have to it's say, good. it was amazing. I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan, but Works the showmanship, and I think he did about two and a half hours in Glastonbury. He did three hours on the Sunday afternoon in, in uh, Hyde Park. And it was just the consummate showman, you know, rock and roll, it was just brilliant. It was just one of the best gigs I've ever seen. I mean, the man's nearly 60, and there was so much energy in, in, in his performance. Uh, and, you know, interacting with the crowd, and you got Steve Van Zandt, I'm Nils Lofgren playing guitar. And it was just it was just phenomenal. So I kind of feel, I might not have done Glastonbury, but one of the reasons why I would have wanted to go to Glastonbury was, was to see that. Springsteen. And, and having seen him, you know, I, I really felt that I was, I saw something something great, something, you know, and I mean, as in one of the great gigs I would ever see in my life, was seeing, uh, seeing Springsteen live, you know, he just, the man just never disappoints, absolutely brilliant. Funny story, um, apparently, uh, Bruce Springsteen went over by 10 minutes on the main stage, uh, Michael Evis himself said, oh, sod it, let him play, gave him 10 mm. minutes over. Uh, ten grand. Uh, it was a grand per minute, I think. Uh, three, no, three thousand pounds, according to the story. He gave ten. Eva says I gave him ten minutes, and he took nine. I'll pay the fine. Three thousand quid. I don't care. I enjoyed it so much. Paul McCartney, the two thousand and four headliner, paid me back. I'm not. I'm going to pay the Bruce Springsteen one myself. It's not. It's because it was fantastic. The last nine minutes were spectacular. Of course, McCartney came on um, and played with. Um I think Neil Young played in London as part of the Hard Rock Calling, and, and Paul McCartney came on stage and played with him. Ah, well, Neil Young. I saw Neil Young. He was quite good. But yeah, he, he was doing Day in the Life at the, uh, and then destroying yeah. the guitar, and that, that was that was quite cool. That was very rock and roll, wasn't it? Yeah, very. Uh, Rich Hilton, do you get much Glastonbury information on the um, uh, over the pond? I think the BBC kind of have the TV rights. I don't think you can get it over there, do you? I don't think if you walked up and down the streets of any place near here and asked a thousand people what it was <laughs> that any one of them would know. <laughs> Never mind, let alone know anything about this year's what one. You or whether you, or dis not. Are you dissing our world famous festival? Absolutely not. I'd love to come and attend one myself. And I actually know about it because my friends from Britain have kindly informed me. Um, but I have to say, in regards to what Dave Robinson was just saying, that it's always great to hear somebody who has just seen Springsteen for the first time because it inevitably turns into a gushing festival of praise. Uh, it's, it's a remarkable thing. And like you, Dave, I didn't really get it until I'd seen him. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden it all comes together for you. And then if you ever see him in another context where he just stands there with a guitar and plays alone, you realize the whole thing emanates from him in a way, on an energy level and on a, on a direction level. Yeah, it's it's a really remarkable band, the E Street Band. It's, Absolutely, 
the whole is so much greater than the sum of the parts. It's, the one, the one thing I w- the one thing I will say about the whole Glastonbury experience now, because there's so much, because the TV thing is kind of really pushing it out there. You used to get all these kind of indie bands who just look at their feet and play songs and had no stagecraft whatsoever. The whole kind of art of doing a live gig and being able to perform and project themselves has become much more important. So you have got these bands who are good at doing gigs now you know you get a lot more quality live stuff than you used to a lot of it was just pretty dirty. it was a band on stage playing their records to the audience but now the the general quality of those bands is in in terms of performance has increased enormously well i think that part of that as well nick is the fact that bands have to perform because they ain't going to make any money from well, downloads true. are they so you know they have to create a, a buzz so that people want to go and see them playing live at a, at a future time or a future tour i think that's very much part of it as well mark tinley did you see anything from glastonbury that uh, floated your boat no no okay <laughs> thank you <laughs> I, didn't, I haven't watched any glastonbury stuff at all i've been so busy um on my hands and knees waxing floors that i mean i Glastonbury just sounds like it's some mythical, sort of fantastic, brilliant place. And I did go to a couple of festivals there, and 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 um, I don't know. It just, I mean, it was interesting, but yeah. So what? I mean, you know, mm. yeah. I, I, I'm kind of the same. I did ten years. I did ten years there, and I, I kind of, I'm quite happy to watch it from afar. But uh, I can mm. understand. Although I have to say that clip that you played of Prodigy doing that. At the beginning, all those people did sound like they were really enjoying themselves. And so, I was yeah. thinking, wow, that, that sounds like fun. I wish I could go yeah, and do that's that. That's what I mean. They really kind of get the, the, the audience mics and the camera. It's really well done. But, so, but, what, but after you said your piece about what, trudging back and forth between stages and how the media had made it sound really bloody amazing, then I was thinking maybe, so the, maybe that's the trick. Maybe this is just like... You know the girl with the long legs in the fashion magazine. We we all know really that she's been airbrushed and stretched. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I agree with you, Mark, because you you see Joe Wiley and uh, and Mark Radcliffe are presenting it in their little twinkly set, and it does look like a magical place. And they show you clips of all this kind of stuff. But I, I've had emails from certain of my friends who were there, just saying trying to get around between different stages was was just such a trial. It's horrible. Yeah, it's too many when, people. There. When I was um, when I was there four years ago, and I, I had sort of backstage access. I mean, and it was wet. And I mean, the only thing was that the bar was full. And it was full of idiots from the uh, from the record industry. Um, the toilets were still as bad. The only good thing was you could walk between the the other stage and the pyramid stage as a shortcut. You know, it could take, take you ten minutes to get between the two, rather than doing sort of forty minutes all the way around. But um, other than that, the the actual um, VIP backstage didn't really offer you uh, a, a lot more access. I have to say, and the, just the idea of one hundred and seventy thousand people. No. Uh, you know, whatever it is, it's just... Next year, yeah. I'm going to go to WOMAD. Peter Gabriel's playing at WOMAD, actually, and I've I just, like got, I just, I just got tickets. Fun, just got tickets. Anyway, um, I've got non-Eric um, wants to join us. I'm just going to go get him. Okay, well, I was gonna say, I'm going I'm to leave you then at this point, because I need to do some things before I go, uh, yeah, so... Okay, Dave, Robin- in this room. Dave Robinson, thank you very much. ProSoundNewsEurope.com, thanks for joining us. Good to talk to you. Speak to you soon. And hello... To non-Eric from Musotalk.de, coming as a <laughs> as a late a late entrance. How are you? I'm fine. I'm so embarrassed. Why? What happened? No, I, I just wanted to take a quick nap after lunch. You fell asleep. Like <laughs> 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 somebody put it so well in the chat. 
old men. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. Well, fa- oh, thanks for your honesty. Musotalk.de, um, <laughs> assuming there's any content now he's been asleep all afternoon, is where you need to go. <laughs> Uh, what I'm going to do then is just do quick one quick last ad, um, which is uh, we also like to say thank you very much to Loopmasters.com, who are uh, also show sponsors. Uh, they're the number one website and sample CDs distributor dedicated to bringing you the most inspirational collections of royalty-free sounds and samples from some of the top producers worldwide. Check them out at Loopmasters.com. They've got all kinds of different music, uh, all sorts of genres, all kind of file formats, all sorts of stuff. In fact, we've got a 60 megabyte collection of 52 free hits and sweeps from the Wave Alchemy SFX collection that's literally just out you'll be hard pressed to find any information about it all you have to do is send an email to free stuff at sonicstate.com that's free stuff at sonicstate.com and follow the instruction you get the access to the 60 megabyte wave alchemy sfx collection um, sample pack so check them out loopmasters.com and looptv.net and don't forget if you want your free stuff free stuff at sonicstate.com email us and uh, you'll get the instructions so um our next topic Universal Audio UAD Solo for laptop has finally uh, been released. It's a PCIe Express card that fits into um, the PCIe slot on your laptop. And uh, I've been looking at this, actually. It's quite cool because, obviously, the UAD stuff, the one thing about, you know, a lot of us are using laptops now and um, it'd be really, you know, short of having a chassis and all of that thing, um, you can't really get hold of them. But now this adds the power of it's basically double what the uad1 had so you've got quite a lot of grunt in there and it slots into the pcie slot but um haven't apple just announced that their latest version of the macbook pros don't have a pci express card apart from the 17 inch am i right Not Eric? yes you are right that's a bit of a that, that's one of those things <laughs> where you just think oh Oh, yeah. That's a drag, isn't it? But um, Universal Audio stuff's great. Do you use it? Um, yeah. Well, used to. Used to be a big fan. I remember uh, when uh, their first card came out. I think it was 2001, Yeah, if I'm right. And uh, of Steinbock at the time were uh, distributing UAD. Uh, the card and I was able to you know get grab one of the first ones that arrived and I was absolutely uh, surprised how well the uh, the URI compressor emulation was Uh and and at the time really there wasn't any uh, native plug-in compressor that was anywhere close to to the stuff that was available in hardware, and this seemed to be the first one that sort of you know came close and really gave 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 the signal next a sound and not just having making it uh, have less dynamics. The shame was, however, that Steinberg at the time decided that their Nuendo was the big Pro Tools killers killer, and that they didn't want to promote the idea of having additional DSP power. In, in in form and shape of uh, an additional card slotted into the computer to sort of you know um, to be different from Protos, for example. So that's why they more or less were hiding away the product, uh, which okay. was a big shame because it would have been a wonderful bundle with both Cubase and Nuendo. I've never tried them. I'm, I'm hoping to get a review unit in. Fortunately, I got one of the last MacBook Pros, um, the unibodies that has got a PCI Express card. So. But, uh, but uh, on the other hand, I think these days uh, the the native versions of anything, 
it's become so good that it's um it's not as it used to be i no, mean I in the old days there was a big gap between you know in terms of horsepower i remember that uh, when the first uh, uad came out we were looking at pcs with a processor speed of about 800 uh, and around one gigahertz on pcs yeah and uh, the car was tremendously more powerful yet again of course now the new version of the card is obviously a lot more powerful but I think uh, the gap is closing, and I think the need for uh, extra DSP power is not as big as it used to be. Well, it is if you want to run those universal audio um, plugins. Uh, yeah, I know, yeah, uh, sure. Dave Spears, you, you're a big fan of them. You've got the cards. Have you got the UAD2 yet? No, I haven't, and I should look at it at some point. I mean, it, for me, the UAD stuff is indispensable. I think that Cambridge EQ is just, for me, is like a surgical EQ. Love it, love it, love it. And I think I've got pretty much every plug-in. So the thought of kind of changing over is a bit scary. Uh, I need to do a lot of work on my laptop because the hard drive's just, I think I've got something like 600 meg left, <laughs> which is a bit dangerous. Not enough. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, this sounds quite good. What's the price of this? Do we know in the UK? I think it's about 500 quid. I yeah. think. Uh, no, 500, it's $500. So it must be less than that, or unless we're getting hammered by the exchange rate. Yeah. No, it would be nice. I mean, I'd certainly like a slightly more portable solution than what I've got. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rich Hilton. Yes. Uh, are you Universal Audio? Are you, are you, I guess so. Uh, no experience with these products. I guess because your, your Pro Tools, you're all TDM'd up, aren't you? Right, but I've been interested and even considered getting some to run side-by-side side with it. Um, just haven't done so. Not feeling any particular holes in my life, but would look forward to hearing and playing with some of this stuff, especially when Dave, for example, is recommending it so highly. I might try and get hold of it. The only thing that I think is an issue with a lot of this stuff, um, particularly uh, apart from the the uh, the, the tools thing, uh, same with the, the TC PowerCore stuff, is you can't use it live. You can only it's a, it's very much mixed processing. And I guess if you're in native world, you do get a little bit more flexibility because you're not relying on a secondary bus to a latency and all the kind of additional processing cycles that happens there. Is that right, Hans? Uh, yes, um, because on the way to the card, there's an extra buffer and one extra one back, I right. think. That's what, what, how it works. So in, in, um, compared to uh, um, a native-only plugin, you would have to add, I think, twice. Am I right, Dave? Twice the, the audio yeah. buffer, something like that? Yeah. Mm. So, so, yeah, if you didn't use it real-time... Forget about it. You've got to use it. It's, mi it's mix only. Mark Tinley, have you got any UAD stuff where you think about getting a, a, one of these solo cards? Does that kind of appeal to you? Uh, no, I haven't. And <clears throat> But my question is, is that, did you say Cambridge EQ? Yeah. Is that the same EQ that they use in the Sony desk? I think it's based on it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is you, very, very you, lovely. Isn't, aren't you, you guys not Sony mixing desk? up the Oxford, the Oxford plugins? I think yeah. Yes, I think it's the same thing, isn't it? Or, you know. is it? I, don't, I know that I've used the EQ in the Sony desk, and if somebody makes that as a plug-in, then I would very much like to. They have do. That. They do. Um, I don't know what they're called. They're Son Sonox. It's on the power core guys. Are they called Sonox? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, is that who I'm thinking of? Okay. So but, I mean, whether I get round to that or not, I don't know. It depends. Um, you know, I've got a four-year-old who's going to start school um, permanently uh, in September, so I might. I might be available again. <laughs> Whoa! 
So I might start working on music stuff, and I'm now only 27 minutes away from London. So let's see. I mean, if I, if the right job comes along, I'll go into London and work on it. So, and at which point I would need some more toys and tools to do things with. So, um, yeah, that's true. I, I think uh, the only thing that I'm not sure about is because a lot of the PCI Express cards they have a sort of lump on the outside where where they kind of break out from where they slot into the computer. And on the certainly on my. Um, uh, MacBook Pro here, the audio out and the audio in sockets, which I presume I wouldn't be using very much anyway, are really close to it. So you're not actually going to be able to fit a card in there very easily without s- very slender jack plugs and what have you. But um, oh. so that's something to watch out for. You might want to test it, do some measurements. But yeah, that's the universal audio. In fact, that they announced that they've got a, th- a user base of thirty thousand. Uh, the new card is two times UAD one and is available uh, for four nine nine. Assuming you've got a laptop uh, that has got a PCI Express card, because Apple, as we said at the beginning of this item, have thought that they would remove that and they put an SD card in instead. Which uh, I'm not quite sure how useful that is to anybody, frankly. But hey, I'm sure they know what they're doing, sort of probably. <laughs> Maybe what we'll do is we'll we'll just call it a wrap today and we'll say thank you very much to our show sponsors who are Roland.co.uk, uh, who wanted to tell you about the Juno DI, which we'll be getting in for review fairly soon, and also uh, loopmasters.com. And don't forget, they're doing a special offer. Email free stuff at sonicstate.com and uh, you'll find out what it is. Uh, and also... Um, You've been listening to the Rode Procaster mic this week, which I think I think it sounds nice. It's got a woody quality, but it's lacking a little bit in the sort of silk, which I think uh, is quite nice to have. Anyway, but I digress. But thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to join us in the chat room this week, sonicstate.com forward slash live at 4pm on a Wednesday UK time is the place to be. And thank you to all the guys in the chat room. And also, thank you to my local guests. I, I'm non-Eric, I'll say goodbye to you first. I don't know why, because you, you're sort of last in, but first out but uh, it's, it's nothing personal honestly <laughs> but i know you uh, the, the, maybe we should give you a new a new title it could be the uh, i don't know that the, the granddad the of... granddad yeah the napping the napping <laughs> non-eric <laughs> non-eric joined us late because um he fell asleep in the sun shall we say he had to just tell everybody he had a boozy lunch it sounds more rock and roll Okay. But right. musotalk.de for all your, uh, all what's to see what uh, Hans is up to. Lots and lots of stuff going on over there, as usual. One of the busiest men on the internet. Yes. And um, also, uh, thank you very much to Mark Tinley from your cool and comfortable basement. I'm actually cold at the moment. I'm sitting down here thinking, I can't wait for this podcast to end because then I can go back upstairs and like put a shirt on or something. I'm sitting here freezing. <laughs> your headlights are on. Uh oh. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Well, thank you very much, Mark, for suffering for your art and for our podcast. I didn't understand that headlights thing. Will you explain it no, to me later? I'll explain it to you when we're off air. Um, Aspergineering.com for, uh, to see what Mark's up to, uh, all sorts of things that, uh, that, that he's doing, that, and you can check them out there. And also, Mr. Rich Hilton uh, from, uh, I guess, sunny Connecticut, um, where I guess you'll be uh, heading off to the studio and doing your thing, as you do. It's true, off to the studio today. But as for sunny Connecticut, we have had an unprecedented uh, regularity of rain here over the last month, and people are very fond of complaining about it these days. Um, I myself don't mind it, but it's, it's been only uh, occasionally sunny Connecticut these days. Oh, well, it's really hot here anyway. 
I'm it's not my, hot here. It's so hot. You can tell it's hot here when your knees start sweating and all you're doing is sitting down. So I've got sweaty knees. Ah. That's any <laughs> consolation. <laughs> and that little chuckle there you heard was Dave Spears from G4Software.com. Thank you for joining us too. Thank you. I'll tell you a quick story. Around uh, the corner from me is the guy who runs uh, the corner, the local shop. And every time I go in there, guaranteed, I say to him, all right. And he goes, oh, too bloody cold. And uh, I did walk around earlier today and I went, all right. And he went, oh, too bloody hot. <laughs> yeah. That's the classic <laughs> British riposte, isn't it? <laughs> well, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us anyway. And uh, just a quick, we'd like to say... Hello, and thanks for listening to Daniel, who we heard uh, the other day, listens to the show regularly. You know who you are. That was Sonic Talk number 136. Oh.